Welcome to the OT Potential Podcast, where each week we review one influential OT-related journal article. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Sarah Lyon, OTRL, and I'm so glad that you are taking time from your busy OT life to join us today. It is a beautiful July Friday here in Aurora, Nebraska, and we are starting to think ahead to the weekend where we're going to go visit one of our local organic farms and learn about regenerative organic farming for the day. So I hope wherever you are that you have uh, summer plans that are equally as exciting as ours. At OT Potential this week and this month, we are really celebrating and enjoying an ongoing partnership with MedBridge Education. If you are not familiar with MedBridge, it is an online platform where you pay one price and then you get unlimited CEUs. MedBridge has been just an awesome supporter of OT Potential for several years now, and I'm really excited because during the month of July, they are partnering with us. The OT Potential Club is our journal club where we have written reviews of these journal articles that we're going over in the podcast. It has a forum and lots of bonuses for you, uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. But all that to say, if you join during July, you will be entered for a chance to win a free MedBridge subscription for one year, and that retails at $200. If you're listening to this and you're like, holy moly, I need to purchase a MedBridge subscription right now, you can use the promo code OTPODCAST, which is a new promo code that MedBridge just uh, cut for this OT Potential podcast. It will give you the best deal available to you as an individual subscriber, whether you do the education or the premium plan of MedBridge. So go to medbridgeeducation.com choose your plan and use that promo code OT podcast. Doesn't matter if it's all caps or lowercase, uh, it's not case sensitive. So let's dive into this week's journal article. The journal article that we're looking at is called Connectivity Measures Are Robust Biomarkers of Cortical Function and Plasticity After Stroke. This article comes to us from the journal called Brain which is a new journal for us to be looking at. It's very focused on neuroscience. It has a five-year impact factor of 11.7, which makes it a pretty influential journal. Uh, AJOT has a five-year impact factor of 3.3. So by this measure, this journal is about twice as influential as AJOT. The article was published in 2015, and it is ranked 19th on our list of the 50 most influential OT-related articles. For members of the OT Potential Club, this is our article of the week for July 15th through July 21st. And as always, the person who has the most like comment in our forum at the end of the week will receive $100. Okay, I'm not gonna lie, this was by far the most difficult journal article to read that I've come across so far because it was so focused on neuroscience and technology. I had to read it very slowly and Google many words. Uh, but luckily, I think that this article does give us some really important glimmers into future trends, uh, not only for stroke rehab, but just kind of for rehab technology in general. It also gives a really good 
baseline vocabulary for what to be watching for around these trends. So the study followed 12 patients over 28 days of intense therapy targeting upper extremity motor deficits. All of these 12 patients were in the chronic phase of stroke. And over these 28 days, these patients had four different EEG measurements. Now, EEG is short for electroencephalography. And you can probably get a picture of it in your mind. It's when all those little electrodes are on the scalp and they are measuring the electrical activity of your brain. And these researchers had a hypothesis that if they measured the functional connectivity or the electrical activity between the primary motor cortex and the premotor cortex on the side of the brain that had experienced the original stroke, that this would correlate to improvements in motor function. So basically, if those parts of the brain are talking to each other more and firing more, that is an indicator that the patients were seeing motor improvements. In the OT Potential Club, I'll have a picture of where these two parts of the brain are. Uh, they sit right next to each other and they're kind of in the middle. And this is definitely an example of something that I had to Google when reading this article. So ultimately, this study showed that there was a robust correlation between the connectivity measures of these two parts of the brain and motor improvement that was seen through the intense rehab. And interestingly enough, and something I'm still trying to wrap my brain around, was that these EEG readings were also shown to be predictors of who would have the most gains from therapy. So basically, if there was electrical activity firing between these parts of the brain uh, in greater amounts, these patients were more poised to benefit from the intense therapy. So before I get into uh, more details about this study and head into my takeaways from this research article, I want to do something that I haven't done before, and that is just break down some of the key terms that occurred over and over in this article that I just think are worth noting and worth perking your ears up whenever you hear these discussed around rehab because I think that they're going to be really important for us to understand. The first thing I want to talk about is that EEG, which I just talked about a little bit, but again, it is a test that uses small metal discs or electrodes to measure the electrical activity in your brain. And the EEG has uh, some huge advantages. One, it's relatively low cost. By low cost, I mean low cost compared to an MRI. We'll talk a little bit more about the EEGs that are on the market uh, a little bit later in this review. It is also very safe. And it is also, uh, the article says highly accessible. Um, I would say it's somewhat accessible in medical settings. I would say it's definitely accessible if you are in a research facility. They'll probably have an EEG machine. Uh, for someone like me who is in rural Nebraska, this is not a technology that I think of as being accessible. The next term I want to note is the term biomarker, which I don't think I've used yet in the review, but it was part of the title of this article. A biomarker is a measurable substance in an organism that is indicative of some phenomenon such as disease, infection, or environmental exposure. 
So in the context of this article, the biomarker would be that electrical activity between these two parts of the brain and that that is something that we can objectively measure using the EEG. Um, and biomarkers are kind of a holy grail that you'll see throughout medical literature uh, because it's the search for those things that we can really concretely measure to tell us about a disease or a disease's course or for us as therapists, something we could measure in the body to show that therapy is working. So for example, this electrical activity in the brain would be a biomarker for us of whether rehab is actually working. And then the other term that I want to highlight, which I don't think I've mentioned yet, is brain structure versus brain function. Um, when I think about imaging the brain, I typically think about just a standard MRI, which gives you a snapshot of what the brain looks like at that current moment. It's giving you a snapshot of the brain structure. Um, so this is useful in a stroke for seeing what parts of the brain were impacted by that stroke lesion. Whereas an EEG is giving you a picture of how the brain is actually functioning. Um, it's giving you a picture of the electrical activity of your brain and what's talking to what as you're resting or doing an activity. So these two measurements are both really valuable, uh, but as this article highlights, they're especially valuable when they are used together. Okay, so those were our important terms. Uh, and now I'll dive back in again to some more details of the article. Uh, the first thing I want to highlight was how occupational therapy was involved in this article. As you can guess, occupational therapy was highlighted when talking about those 28 days of intense upper extremity motor rehab. But the way that occupational therapy and physical therapy was used was a little unsettling. I'm still kind of wrapping my mind around this, so I guess I'll just tell you how it was used and you can also chew on that. So the intense upper extremity therapy does not appear to have been delivered by a rehab professional. Instead, the article states that the therapy included slideshow diagrams of occupational therapy and physical therapy exercises, along with virtual reality computer games. It does state that the content was adjusted to individual deficits, but it does not say by whom. So this was definitely the first article that I've read where we were just kind of replaced by a slideshow and I don't really know what to make of that, like I said, but just putting that out there and summarizing that for you guys. And then I also wanted to mention that the measurement that they were using to uh, capture the improvements in motor function was the Fugelmeyer assessment. I also wanted to talk a little bit about the EEG device that was used during this article. It didn't give any specifics about the brand or the model that was used, but it did tell us that it had 256 leads. So in the scope of EEG devices, that is quite a bit. If you are familiar with the Muse headband, this is a headband that you can buy um, to track the electrical activity of your brain during meditation and that retails at about $200 and that only has four leads. So most of the EEG devices that are commercially available and accessible to consumers 
are definitely down in that like 1 to 12 leads range. Whereas an EEG with 256 leads, from my research, it looks like it costs at least $25,000 and is obviously just used for research at this time. So what were my takeaways for occupational therapists from this article? My first takeaway was that we need to start imagining the ability to measure who is a good candidate for stroke rehab and if our rehab is working. The article indicates that the technology does exist to objectively measure improvements in upper extremity motor rehab following stroke based on brain activity. While this technology is not accessible to the vast majority of us, it does kind of only seem like a matter of time before this technology becomes more and more affordable. So as therapists, we need to start wrapping our minds around this upcoming shift that we see on the horizon of being able to use these biomarkers to track whether rehab is working. My second takeaway is related to the first one, and that is that rapidly decreasing technology costs are going to make rehab tech devices available to consumers in ways that you may have not thought possible. Um, While this study had a very specific focus, the implications of an affordable EEG and EEGs that are more targeted at looking at specific brain activity measures um, have a really wide impact. For example, in the OT Potential Club, we've already talked about that future possibility of using EEGs in the school to track whether students are achieving an optimal learning state. I can definitely see the implications for mental health practitioners. There's already that affordable EEG in the Muse uh, that can be used for meditation. And for therapists who work with stroke patients, an EEG that measures the impact of stroke rehab is kind of just a beginning because there's this next wave of technology that is just in its its infancy, which is the brain-computer interface devices, where rehab is being delivered and adjusted in real time based on the EEG activity that is being seen in the brain. In the club, I'll link to a brain-computer interface rehab device that is already on the market in Singapore. And here in the United States, I definitely anticipate to see FDA clearance for uh, some brain-computer interface devices uh, specifically for rehab in the next couple of years. And finally, my last takeaway is that the quest for biomarkers uh, has definitely emerged as a trend in our OT-related research. Uh, It gets mentioned a lot in the research that we've been reading as basically something that's needed, and this is the first time we've seen an article uh, where they're identifying a new biomarker for us. And something that I thought was really interesting was not only can biomarkers like this potentially help us see if rehab is working, but they would also give us unprecedented kind of baseline for identifying who would benefit most from our therapy. So that is just one last thing among many for you to wrap your mind around from this article. So that is all that I have for you today. As far as a summary of this article, like I said, this was a very complex neuroscience technology-driven article to read, and I'm really looking forward to discussing it in the OT Potential Club. 
whether that is with OT sci-fi fans or people who actually have experience working on kind of this frontier of rehab technology. I'll have a written overview of this article in the club along with pictures to help you, uh, links to different devices, and we'll also kind of interconnect it with other research articles that we've reviewed uh, that had similar themes. As I've already mentioned, but I'll reiterate, we do have a forum connected to each article that I review, and the person who makes the most liked comment on the article of the week does receive $100 at the end of that week. So you can head on over to otpotential.com to sign in or sign up for the club. If the club isn't your thing, that's totally fine. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, I would love it if you would subscribe or like the podcast or share it with a friend. And most importantly, tune in next week for more OT-related research. Thank you all so much for joining us today and give great care this week.